You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and environment. Max and I thank you for joining us. We dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. I recently read a unique and inspirational book titled Wild Ocean, Sharks, Whales, Rays, and Other Endangered Sea Creatures. Wild Ocean is an anthology of 12 stories that are factual, yet have a touch of whimsy about 12 endangered species of sea animals. We will meet cartoonist Matt Dembiski, the editor of Wild Ocean, in a moment and learn about the subject of the book as well as what inspired Matt to be involved in Wild Ocean. But first, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. Audible.com makes it easy to stay well-informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well-read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest today is Matt Dembiski, who edited and contributed to the book Wild Ocean, Sharks, Whales, Rays, and Other Endangered Sea Creatures. Matt is a cartoonist who lives and works in the District of Columbia area. He's edited and contributed to the ESUP prize-winning Trickster Native American Tales, a graphic collection. He also served at the helm of District Comics and Unconventional History of Washington, D.C., which was named as one of the best books of 2012 by the Washington Post. Matt is also co-founder of the DC Conspiracy, a local comic creators collective that publishes the semi-annual free comics newspaper, Magic Bullet. Matt, welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, and thank you for being with us today. Thanks for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. It was really interesting reading Wild Ocean, which is an anthology of 12 stories and the combined work of 17 cartoonists and writers. How did you become involved in the project, Matt? It was uh, kind of a spin-off off another project I did. Uh, I did a solo graphic novel called Shock 
the journey of a great white, and it followed the kind of the life of a great white shark from the coast of California to Hawaii. And I enjoyed doing doing that book so much that I, I wanted to do kind of another ocean-related book, and uh, that served as kind of the impetus for it. And the uh, the shark book was kind of very, it was very educational. There's a lot of research involved in it, and I wanted to kind of pursue that, maybe focusing on some other animals as well. And the artists and the uh, writers who worked on the anthology, did you know them or did you recruit them or how did you get them to work on the project? Well, I kind of know all of them through my other comics endeavors and comics networking. And so and most of them have a passion for the ocean as well. Some of them even do their own kind of mini comics uh, related to the ocean. And we even have a few folks that are actually biology professors that do kind of comics on the side. Jay Hostler. He opens the book up and uh, with a story about the uh, hawkbill sea turtle. And he's a biologist at a university in Pennsylvania, and he's done other comics about ants and things like that. So I thought he was a very natural fit for the book. Wow. So there's some really, you know, a lot of times people will take a look at cartoons and say, well, there's not much depth there. But with you guys, I think that's different. And that's probably why I enjoyed reading Wild Ocean so much and gave it five stars in my Chicago Animal Advocacy Examiner book review. And one of the things that struck me is that through the use of cartoons, the stories could be told about these, these creatures in unique and compelling ways. How did you select the 12 species that were the subjects of the story, Matt? Well, I actually was in contact with Pangea Seed, which is an, uh, an ocean advocacy organization, and they do a lot of outreach to kids and, and youth through art. And they had a copy of the shark book that I mentioned, and I was talking to the director, Trey Packard, and he wanted to do uh, uh, something related to that, too, to, as a way to kind of reach out to kids as well. And they were actually in the, in the midst of this kind of campaign focusing on 12 endangered sea animals that they identified. And so those 12 kind of served as the foundation for the book. Well, that's interesting because uh, there's really diverse species and from all parts of the world. And besides writing your white shark cartoon book, do you have any other background regarding the ocean creatures and the environment? Or is that a passion that uh, you've learned just naturally? You know, I don't have any specific education in that area, but I do have a passion for that. Actually, some of the, my initial comics that I did focus on nature, I have one called Mr. Big, A Tale of Pond Life. And that's the story of a snapping turtle that lives in a pond. And I had this kind of world built around it, how these he was kind of eating the fish and just doing what snapping turtles do, and they decided to kind of get rid of him. And so it's kind of a tale of if you try to display something in nature, it has consequences. And so if you displace this animal, something actually worse could come in and, and fill that void. So I've always had this passion about uh, environmentalism and about animals in general. And so that kind of led to the shark book. And I've always had this fascination with, with sharks since seeing Jaws as a little kid. And, but I wanted to kind of explore more about this animal that we really didn't know too much about. That's interesting because I think that's really a great way to uh, drive attention. But, you know, uh, can you share with us a bit about the, the creative process and putting together the book? Sure. Uh, were your cartoonists and writers free to use whatever style they wanted? Or did you give them parameters? Or, you know, just share with us what went on in the collaboration. 
Yeah. Well, I reached out mostly, uh, some of the collaborators are just writers, and then I paired them up with artists, and some of them kind of came together as a pair, and some of the writers are artists as well. So when I reached out to these folks, and these are people that I've kind of pre-selected that I thought would do a really good job with the story, and I was looking for different styles as well, because I think in an anthology, a comics anthology, I didn't want one style to kind of dominate through the entire book. I liked, you know, a nice variety because it's also kind of a, an artistic display. And so we have folks that have a more realistic rendering of their stories, and we have folks uh, that are kind of a little bit more cartoony or a lot more cartoony. And I think those kind of breaks in the book are really good to keep the uh, the reader engaged. And so um, pretty much what I told the writers is I want this to be an educational book, but I also want it to be entertaining. So you can write stories that are fictional, but there has to be educational elements to them. So we might have a story of a boy who's fantasizing about uh, swimming with blue whales, but there has to be facts and figures peppered throughout there, how a blue whale would act and things like that. Some of the stories are more kind of straightforward about, for example, overfishing. So, you know, that's, it's a little bit more kind of blunt. Some of them are a little bit more you have to kind of read into the story to, to see where, where it's going. In. But you're also learning about these animals and, you know, what they face in terms of their environment a lot of times as a result of human behavior. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I was struck by some of the copy in the book where you're, I don't know whether it was in the, in the foreword, but I was talking about how the ocean seems so strong, but yet, you know, it's so fragile. And I think it, you bring that across when you start talking to, you know, the different stories in the anthology about here's this big blue whale or a whale shark or, you know, which you expect to be big and strong. And yet they all have their, their weaknesses and humans are, are putting pressures on them. And then when you get down to the fragile creatures like the seahorse, that really puts it in perspective. At least I thought it did. And different parts. Although I, my favorite, I think, was the monk seal. So really, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, what did you particularly enjoy about that? Well, you know, you were talking about the uh, variety and the, you know, and the difference. So we're getting the copy and we're seeing the story. And here's a monk seal. And it's a story told totally by cartoon art without any um, copy. Mm -hmm. And uh, what really struck me was that little drawing showing the uh, pregnant monk seal. And that's, that really helped carry what she was doing and where she was trying to find a place and, and things like that. So anyway, to me, I thought that was particularly uh, uh, compelling. Yeah, I think the, one of the trademarks of, of a really true great cartoonist is if you can tell, if not the entire story, most of the story without words. Because uh, the great thing about cartooning, it's really a marriage of illustrations and text. And so what, what Tammy Stelnova was able to accomplish there was, uh, was really fantastic. Yeah, it was really, really so. And you really feel for the animal. And uh, I think that's, you know, part of what you want to deliver. But Matt, we need to take a break right now. But when we return, I want to uh, talk a little bit about the creatures, some more about the creatures that were featured in Wild Ocean and the message that you hope readers walk away with after they read the book. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Introducing the new Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection, exclusively at PetSmart. I created it for the pets that rock your world. Shop the Brett Michaels Pets Rock Collection and celebrate PetSmart's 25th anniversary with up to 25% off thousands of items on the PetSmart site. 
plus free shipping on orders of $49 or more. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. That's PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and with me today is Matt Dembiski, the editor of the new book from Fulcrum Publishing titled Wild Ocean. Matt, one thing we didn't discuss is what age group is Wild Ocean targeted? Well, it's uh, officially targeted for uh, kids age 12 to 18, but I have a couple sons, and one of my sons is in third grade, and you know he was reading through the book, and he was fascinated by it and asking me questions uh, about the different animals. And, and so I think that's a kind of a fair springboard is for kids in, in third grade, and, and I think even adults can learn something um, from the book. You know, you can appreciate the artwork, you appreciate the storytelling, and also some of the facts that go behind it. One of the great kind of privileges that I have as an, as an editor, not only in pulling the uh, talent together, but it's also is reading their stories. You know, there's a lot of things that I learned about uh, these creatures that I didn't know. For example, you mentioned the, uh, the seahorses before and how, how fragile they are, but also about that, you know, male seahorses are the ones that, that carry the young, the babies. There's probably not too many folks that know that, so that was a little surprising to me. But I also like the fact that they engage some of the um, historical and mythical aspects of these animals that really kind of show how long they've been around and how they're still part of our culture, uh, not to also mention, you know, just our world in general. Yeah, interesting. And what message or messages do you hope readers will walk away with after they've finished reading Wild Ocean? Well, you know, I just hope that they, they really kind of have uh, renewed or advanced respect for, for the environment and for these uh, sea creatures because, again, I think that we do live in this kind of balanced world, you know. We, we need them as much as they need us, maybe not directly, you know, but there are they do serve purposes. And like I said with some of my other books, if, you've, if some of these animals disappear, it's going to have this ripple effect. You know, one animal disappears, and, and if they are the food source for another animal, that animal will disappear, and then pretty soon, you know, we have even greater fishing shortages than we do now. And, and so the book's not, you know, necessarily geared toward criticizing anything, but, it's, you know, I hope it inspires people to think about solutions. You know, and, and I really do hope that maybe with the younger generations, like, yeah, we have these problems and, and sometimes we can't necessarily fix everything at once. 
But if we have this mentality, then maybe we can. And, and a good example of that, I think, is what happened with the recycling campaign in the 70s. I grew up in the 70s, and I remember how kind of you go to a big city, and it was there was trash and litter everywhere. And then, you know, we have this great marketing campaign about recycling and anti-littering, and, and we, we developed some really wonderful policies in terms of making sure that we don't trash cities and, and, and everything. And that really changed everything. Now we have rivers that are cleaner. We have streets that are cleaner. And we've got to that point. So I think that offers a lot of hope to, to kind of continue on with maybe other areas that we have to address. You know, I think you're right. I mean, we're we're certainly not there yet. In fact, that's what Max A. Pooch and I do. We we go around and we talk about recycling in terms of he's a recycled dog. He, he's a dog that was thrown away and ended up in a shelter. And then he now picks up litter and puts it in the trash. And then I talk about the fact that since he was discarded, he hates to see anything discarded that can be recycled and reused or repurposed, so on and so forth. And I think, you know, you don't have to be a conservative or a liberal to take that message to heart and uh, do something about it. When what we say is, you know, it's uh, so easy to pick up a piece of litter, even a dog can do it. And then Max demonstrates. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, I think that, you know, you're right on is send a positive message of hope and that things can be done. Because most of us, I mean, don't purposely go out to despoil the uh, everything. Some of us may be ignorant about what we do, but I don't think we're purposeful in, in destroying the environment. And if we make enemies uh, with, I really believe, with strong messages, then we're not going to really accomplish as much as we can if we find common ground. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, it's you know we can kind of look at the facts and have our stories, but you know, you know, at the end, we we have to work together to find solutions. You know, no one wants to go to a dirty beach. You know, no one wants to swim in a and or go fishing in a filthy lake. You know, and and it's just well, okay. So how do we go about? What can we change in our just our even our daily personal lives? It doesn't have to be a radical change. You know, and some people maybe you just recycle a little better, or you know you. Uh, use more of what you have instead of, you know, wasting things that you have. Exactly right. And, you know, going back to age group, uh, my granddaughter was up on Mother's Day and she happened to see uh, a wild ocean sitting on my desk and she asked if she could look at it. And I I said, sure. And she's 11. And uh, so she got finished and she said, Grandpa, when you're finished with this book, can I take it to school with me? And I said, what do you want to do? And she said, I want to show my teacher this. This is really great. So um, I had already read it, written a review, knew what I wanted to talk to you about. So I said, sure. And uh, hoping that maybe your message will be uh, spread to a middle school um, class now, (laughs) personally by my granddaughter. And uh, <laughs> so, hey, now, you know, I was saying the creatures in the book are, are diverse. And I mentioned my favorite story or animal, which was uh, the monk seal. What about you? Do you have a favorite? And if so, which is it and why? Yeah, that's really hard. I just really enjoy all the stories. But, you know, I think the two that really kind of popped out for me was the story about the, the shape of the future regarding the manta rays. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. I think what I liked about that was the story's a little bit different because a lot of the other stories were about, you know, it does talk about conservation and preserving uh, manta rays, but also talks about, you know, how we use animals in, in a different way, how we can study how their bodies work and adapt that for our own purposes, scientific purposes, you know, and in that particular one about how scientists were using the physical aspects of a manta ray, how it swims to develop you know, submersibles. Excellent. Yeah. And you see that now with some of the robotics coming out, the four-legged robotics. I don't know if you've seen any of that. And, you know, they, they can move pretty quickly. They're a really all-terrain. Uh, essentially, they're a pack robot instead of a yep. pack mule. So uh, I think the other one I really enjoyed also was The Lady of the Sea uh, by Pat Lewis. Uh, that was the one with the um, mantis. And one, you know, I like that story because it was kind of just very cartoony. It was very funny. And it's really hard, you know, to write a funny story, you know, uh, because it, I think it takes a, a particular talent to convey humor, especially in, uh, in text and in a comic format like that. Yeah, I think another thing compelling about that, that's perhaps one area of the country a lot of people have been to and can identify with is, is their habitat. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that brings that story closer to home. And Matt, I ask each of my guests this question, and with all the human misery and suffering there is in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, resources advocating for animals? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. I, I always kind of have this kind of uh, holistic approach to life. You know, they are on this planet with us. Uh, we cohabitate the world. And we kind of, like I said, we are symbiotic that way, that we depend on them, they depend on us. And, you know, a lot of times we, we think of animals either as pets or as consumer products or something like that. But really, this whole balance of, of the world depends on our relationship with animals and with the environment. I mean, we are, we are animals ourselves. So we are, you know, part of that giant family. And, you know, how we have this balance uh, with each other, you know, I think a lot of it also kind of eventually has an implication on, on the human race. You know, just this news, they were talking about the um, Antarctica, the, uh, the glacier, the ice shelf that's broken off and how, what the implications of that are going to be over the years. So, you know, how we treat animals now can have long-term implications in, in terms of the human race. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It's and I think maybe even it's more important for people to be able to communicate to uh, fellow humans uh, with books like yours because as we become more and more urbanized, we lose that contact with the individual animals. I mean, food becomes nothing but packages. Most or many kids they don't see a frog. I mean, I. Right. My daughter lives in Chicago, and she certainly, in her native landscape, so to speak, doesn't see a frog. Now, you know, when she comes up here, we go out to the parks and things, we see, you know, the, the animals. But uh, in a typical urban landscape, it's so sterile. We see, you know, it's sort of pigeons, and unfortunately, a lot of rats. She, you know, she sees rats. And, Chicago is noted for them. In fact, there was a thing, uh, you talk about the balance of animals. There was a th thing on um, PBS last night about a program relocating feral cats to parts of the city where there's problems with rats. Mm. And the feral cats are neutered and spayed and they have to have volunteers that will feed them. And the idea is to see if they'll make a difference in the rat population. 
But mm-hmm. there is an example, a land-based example, where animals have an impact uh, on us. And uh, certainly, there's, this goes on all the time, the impact that's going on in the sea. Before we get too far, where can our listeners learn more about the book Wild Ocean and where can they buy a copy? The book is going to be widely distributed, so you should be able to order it from your local bookstore. It's available on Amazon.com. Those are the, the primary places. Also, we're going to be reaching out to some uh, some comic book retailers as well. So if you have a comic book shop or you're a comic book fan, you can go to your retailer and ask them to order it for you. Yeah, great. Now, you said earlier some of the proceeds from the sale of Wild Ocean uh, benefit an organization by the name of Pangaseed. Can you tell us a bit more about Pangaseed and where we might learn more about that organization? Sure. It's an ocean conservation organization that initially focused on uh, preserving sharks. And they've kind of expanded their scope a little bit to other sea animals as well. And they do a lot of their outreach through artwork, reaching out to, to youth through the artwork, engaging them. You know, so they'll go out and they'll have these giant murals that they'll paint. I think they're working on something in Miami right now. They have this whole giant wall side of a building they've been commissioned, and they're going to paint this giant great white shark on it. And they do T-shirts and other forms of artwork, and they engage students as well. They bring them in, and they do workshops with them to paint sea animals and things like that. And through that process, the educational process, they also have an opportunity to, uh, to engage students and to educate them about preserving sea animals, you know, the dangers of, of overfishing and, and things like that, or the dangers of, for example, regarding sharks finning, where we have some countries that really enjoy having shark fin soup. But a lot of times with those kind of situations is, you know, they'll just cut off the fins and then just dump the rest of the shark, which is, you know, a waste, a waste of a resource. And so Pangea Seed is a part of the proceeds of the book is going to go to them to help them continue with their advocacy. What's their website address? Their website address is pangeac.org. So it's P-A-N-G-E-A-S-E-E-D.org. Okay. And so not only will you be um, getting a great read when you uh, purchase Wild Ocean, but uh, you'll be helping Pangea Seed. And speaking of, do you have any upcoming projects that are involved in communication of, uh, the, about the environment or animals? Well, I'm working on on a story with uh, or a book with a colleague of mine, and I'll be just doing the artwork, and she's writing the story. And it has to it focuses around the sea animal, but it'll be kind of more fantastical. So we're kind of she's working on it right now. So hopefully, maybe in a year or two, something will be out. But it, it kind of it involves sea animals, a squid in particular. So a squid. Well, I know yeah. a lady who made a uh, giant squid out of plastic bags. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> What she does, and, and again, it's a, using art, is she's made a giant right whale, a great white shark out of plastic, and her latest effort was a um, giant sea squid. And they're life-size, and she takes oh, wow. these. The whale is inflatable, and she takes these to uh, primarily middle school audiences and uh, talks about the ocean, and these things are used to drive the interest because it's pretty compelling to see a, a full-size, clear, plastic white shark, and it's all recycled plastic. Mm-hmm. So We've run out of time, Matt, and uh, I want to thank you for being with us today. This has been really great. I want to congratulate you on a job well done on, and your colleagues with the book and Max A. Pooch gives you and your colleagues who worked on Wild Ocean five big tail wagging wolves for a book well done. 
Thanks, Keith. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Matt Dembiski, for being with us. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates Possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying so long until we meet again. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.